0: Here's your conservative but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well that is right, you are listening to the Home of Conservative, not bitter talk, and I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Todd Should you wanna actually watch the program live or on demand, IS has stepped out of stepped out of the office here for a minute, so we're not on Facebook just yet, but we will be on here momentarily as she now has pressed the start or whatever the button is on Facebook. It's good to have you. I hope you had hope you had a good weekend. So look I want to anytime of course we get to a a Monday morning, there's uh <laughs> I have I have lots of things jotted down here. This, of course, is not a scripted program, but we do, I jot down ideas or issues or subjects or sound bites or whatever it is that I want to get to. And there's a lot to get to, of course, as we're dealing with this coronavirus, dealing with the economic impacts. Dealing with the health scare, dealing with the new reality uh, for those who are home or have to figure out how to be home or figure out something with with children, and of course, many schools across the country uh, shut down. Work is changed. Uh, folks are kind of uh, well, social distancing becoming a new a new thing to focus on or to I guess be concerned with as we um, try to figure figure this out how to keep this from swelling out of control. We've learned uh, new terms in a sense. We've learned terms such as social distancing and um, such as flattening the curve and all these sorts of concepts which are new to the majority of Americans at least in the common lexicon and so forth but lots to go through and I, as I was thinking about this I think one of the things it's interesting to me and, and can I say this without you know we live in such a politically divisive time era that if you say something that is I don't know, a little bit, a little bit, if you just want to calm people, some folks think that that's the worst thing that you can do because, of course, we should be uh, worried with every single breath that we take in their minds. And I just, I don't think that that's how we're intended to live. I think we should have, I think we should have some perspective on this as I've been calling from the beginning. I think you can say that without, Saying that this is a big joke, um, that this is just something that you know people are. There definitely is overreaction, but there is of course something to be concerned with. We've seen Italy now surpass China in the number of deaths. At least, look. There, there's a whole question about China and what they've really, what they've really told us. How much is really accurate and all that. But, but from what we know. What we know, it looks as though Italy has now surpassed China in deaths from this coronavirus. And you'll find you know there's I read on this constantly. you'll you'll find explanations for that that sometimes make you think uh, you know there's I mean there's there's differences as to how and, and how these uh, individuals are counted and so forth in China versus Italy um you i I read and consume so much on this just because it's important we have to discuss it and it's not something that um i don't know that that it doesn't come as naturally maybe to me as a lot of other things do just in a straight political sense because there's a scientific component to this something that um something that i you know i'm not a epidemiologist or a doctor or surgeon or medical researcher or anything like that but so it takes a little bit for me to I have to absorb a lot and in absorbing a lot there's also you, you absorb things that I mean look as uh, some people paint this picture so bleakly that it literally in their minds is the end of the world and others are out there you know living their lives as though nothing is different from a month ago. And we're all over the board on that. Anyway, what I wanna say is I think I think in a sense, um what Americans need as much as anything, and, and it it is perspective, but my goodness, a little bit of I don't want to say a break because we need to know what's going on, but a little bit of uh just I just a little bit of normal life, normalcy, being able to uh, process this, and maybe not such heaviness. Maybe not such heaviness. heaviness. And there's some things I want to get to today that are not, uh, not as heavy, as we move through. Move through the difficulties uh, with coronavirus. But I want to start today on Friday. We had Trump uh, doing what he's been doing: press conference, presser, uh, talking about the current state of affairs with coronavirus and what's going on and what's happening of course he's got his team up there pence and uh dr fauci um bricks and other folks back behind him as well and i want to something that you may have seen you may have seen this live i saw this live but If you didn't see it live, you probably saw a soundbite. And you probably just heard a portion of the soundbite. And this is with Peter Alexander of, as Trump says, Comcast. I don't call it Comcast. He said, I call it Comcast. That's your employer, Peter. They're the ones that sign your checks at NBC, MSNBC, or as Trump says, MSDNC. (laughs) So anyway, it's important to hear this entire exchange because... If you just hear Peter Alexander ask a que- the, the one question, you you don't get the full breadth and scope of what was really going on here, because again, you know I've had people ask me this, and, and we and talk about this, and we share thoughts about this, but effectively, people want to know, hey, are these journalists really trying to politically harm Trump in the middle of a crisis? Some people have a hard time coming to this because you would think. And I understand, to a point, you would think that Americans would come together during during a crisis. In some respects, the most recent large-scale crisis and struggle for this country was 9-11 back in 2001, 19, almost 19 years ago now. And we saw this to a degree. You saw President Bush's approval numbers skyrocket. Um, again, It wasn't even – it wasn't about politics back then. People put all that stuff aside and said, hey, America is facing an enemy, and America must prevail. America must come together and defeat this enemy. We must thoroughly understand who they are, why they hate us, what it is that they're looking to accomplish and do, and how we're going to fight back, and how we're going to not only fight back but prevail and win in this in this new war on terrorism. And so not seeing that in this in this particular instance. In fact, there's a lot of blaming and that's what Trump, you know, he's I think it's hard for the uh, us, the average person. I think we can somewhat understand if we stop and think about it. But when you realize you wake up every day, Trump wakes up every day and he's constantly <laughs> he's constantly misquoted, misrepresented um he's maligned and hated he's demonized he's called a nazi and all sorts of other things by these people that sit in there in that room with him and with his team um talking about whatever this is just the latest thing the coronavirus but it's no matter what it is right it could be about it could be about an easter egg hunt at the white house or it could be it could be about take your pick it could be about the economy it could be about jobs when, when Trump's efforts and actions led to a roaring economy, incredibly low jobless rates, you'll still see – in fact, you saw Obama coming out of uh, the woodwork telling us that he was uh, – suddenly his economy had taken, taken hold. He was responsible for that, responsible for nothing during his first eight years in office. But he was responsible, he said, for the – and other leftists – for the economy, and that's that's sort of nonsense that Trump just doesn't put up with. Yeah, there's a part, there's a part of him that just wants, I think, to uh, you know he he does want the credit, especially when he's blamed for virtually everything. So this is an ongoing thing; it happens it happens daily, and it's it's unfathomable for the average person, the average person with you know a fair amount of human decency and uh, just fairness in their mind to try to grasp this idea that no matter what happens, they're trying to use it to politically get an advantage. But the reality is that's what we're dealing with. It doesn't matter the degree of the crisis. Now, I'm saying that I'm not saying that the issue is fabricated. I'm not saying that the issue is created by the media. The Left, the Democrat Party, whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when it does arrive uh, arise, they take the lesson from Rahm Emanuel and they never let a crisis go to waste. We've got an example of this is Congress right now trying to pass this stimulus recovery package, whatever you want to call this thing. And of course, there's lots of questions and problems that I think we should have in general as conservative, americans um but there's there's no doubt that this is a massive problem and the government the government has a role it doesn't mean that that role is to divvy out trillions of dollars but there needs to be something uh some actions taken uh to to lighten the burden on the economy, on the business sector, on individual Americans, and they've taken some of those. But this is, um, it's it's the Democrats are holding out, I think, for for political reasons. They want to use this as an opportunity to further their radical leftist agenda and some of these issues, some of these issues that are important to them. They want to kind of ramrod through this. Uh, through this bill, so that they can see some of their more leftist, liberal uh, policies implemented. Now, you could say you could say that this is a big government solution that even Republicans are talking about here with with this legislation. And I would I would agree with that. I'm not trying to minimize it, but there is there is a difference. Uh, even though I'm not defending I'm not defending this. Uh, per se but i am saying there's a difference between a one-time um a one-time government action which of course you could say it would be repeated and i would pause and consider that and, and say that this certainly can be repeated in fact they've even hinted i've seen mnuchin out there saying additional actions will be taken if the economy needs it of course they're trying to speak uh Calm over the economy and make investors and people take a a pause, not act out of complete pandemonium and fear. But there's a difference between an action that's being taken as a one time action, even though it's incredibly expensive. I'm not trying to overlook that. I'm simply saying that versus taking on a long term, never ending. New program or increased benefit or whatever it is. that of course, in the long run is much much more expensive, even though we're talking about massive numbers even on a one-time uh, you know deal basis. Point is is that a lot of this is still political, and there are consequences uh, to the economy, to the economy as we sit and watch this go nowhere. I've seen stock futures are down in a major way here this morning. Um, in, fact, in fact, I think I saw as low as they can go before the system kicks off. Anyway, so that's kind of the framework. I want, to, I want to play when we get back. I want to play the discussion, the full clip, if you will, of Peter Alexander of Concast, as Trump says, and President Donald Trump. I want you to, to hear how it gets to the point that it gets to. Peter Alexander doesn't just ask one question and then Trump says – you're a pathetic journalist or terrible reporter, whatever he called him. That's not what happened. This was an ongoing kind of back and forth that, that slowly escalated. Trump had had enough. And when you look at it in the framework of the bigger political picture that I kind of outlined there, the daily misrepresentation, uh, the daily attempts to try to to politically cause harm to Trump during this process that's taken by some reporters, not all of them, but there's a fair amount of in that room that look to – to do that I want to share this full clip so you can hear it in case you just heard the uh, contentious part of the clip because there's more into this but I've got to take a time out when we get back I'll play this soundbite it's a little bit long but I think it's worth listening to I thoroughly enjoyed it when I was watching it live on Friday but we got to take a time out here you're listening to conservative not bitter talk I am your host Todd Huff back in just a minute <laughs> Had some audio troubles here this morning. I'm not sure what exactly happened there. Sorry about the confusion. It just uh, some audio issues I've been dealing. In fact, on Facebook, you may be having some audio problems as well. Trying to figure out what exactly the cause of this problem is. But I wanted to now I say all this. So I told you I wanted to play a soundbite um, before the break. Is what we were talking about. Talking about uh, Peter. Uh, Alexander and Trump going back and forth the other day in uh, in the presser. We looked at this back and forth, and I'm not entirely sure <laughs> right now because of the audio problems that this is going to play, but I wanted you to hear this whole this whole back and forth because, because it's important. Possible therapies um, yesterday, Mr. Oh, that's gonna, it looks like it's going to work, but I want you to hear this because you may have only heard the um the particular portion of it where Trump calls him a terrible reporter, and it might seem a little bit of overreaction. You may still think that it's an over an overreaction, but it's not um <laughs> if you listen to the full thing, it definitely gives you a different picture as trump is again Trump is trying to to calm the fears of Americans. Trump is trying to um, give hope give because there's there's been a lot of I guess there has been a lot of overreaction again I'm not saying there's nothing to worry about I don't want to have those words put in my mouth what I do want to say is that there is overreaction there is there is panic and panic is not is not a good a good thing so this is the full exchange because I think it it definitely gives a different feel than just the one soundbite itself Peter Alexander questioning Donald Trump on Fridays press conference, or during pro- uh, Friday's press conference, here that exchange is. About the possible therapies, yesterday, Mr. President, you said that they were for quote, immediate delivery, immediate. We heard no, were about- ordering,
1: uh, yes, we have uh, uh, millions of units ordered. Uh, Bear is one of the companies, as you know, big company, very big, very uh, great company. Uh, millions of units are ordered, and we're going to see what happens. We're going to be uh, talking to the governors about it and the FDA is working on it right now uh, The advantage is that it has been prescribed for a totally different problem But it has been described for many years and everybody knows the levels of of uh, the, the negatives and the positives, but I will say that uh, I am a man that comes from a very positive school when it comes to in particular one of These drugs and we'll see how it works out Peter. I'm not I'm not saying it will but I, I think uh, that uh, people may be surprised by the way that would be a game-changer, but we're going to know very soon But but we have ordered Millions of units it's being ordered but from Bayer, and there is another couple of companies also that that do it For
0: clarity dr. Fauci said there is no magic drug for coronavirus right now, which you would agree. I guess on this issue well, then uh, you know, this I,
1: I think we only is disagree a little that, that, bit. Sorry. I disagree uh, Maybe and maybe not. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. We have to see. Is We're gonna know that, Is it We're possible
0: and, is it possible that your impulse to put a positive spin on things may be giving Americans a false sense of hope? No, I, don't think, representing so. the I preparedness don't think so. right now. No,
1: I don't think so. I think that uh, I think it's got no, the not yet approved drug. I mean, Such a lovely question. Uh, look, it may work and it may not work. And I agree with the doctor what he said. May work, may not work. Uh, I feel good about it. It's all it is, just a feeling. Feeling, you know, I'm a smart guy. I feel good about it, and we're going to see. You're going to see soon enough. And we have certainly some very big samples of people. If you look at the people, you have a lot of people that are in big trouble. And uh, this is not a drug that, obviously, uh, I think I can speak for a lot of from a lot of experience because it's been out there for over 20 years. So it's not a drug that you have a huge amount of danger with. It's not like a brand new drug that's been just created that may have an unbelievable monumental effect, like kill you. Uh, We're going to know very soon. And I can tell you, the FDA is working very hard to get it out. Right now, in terms of malaria, if you want it, you can have a prescription. You get a prescription. And by the way, and it's very effective. It works. Uh, I have a feeling you may, and I'm not being overly optimistic or pessimistic, I sure as hell think we ought to give it a try. I mean there's been some interesting things happened and some good very good things. Uh, let's see what happens. We have nothing to lose. You know the expression? What the hell do you have to lose? Okay. So what do you say to America? What do you say to the Americans who are scared though? I guess nearly two hundred dead, fourteen thousand who are sick, millions, as you witnessed, who are scared right now. What do you say to Americans who are watching you right now? you scared. Uh, I say that you're a terrible reporter. That's what I say. <laughs> I think it's a very nasty question, and I think it's a very bad signal that you're putting out to the American people. The American people are looking for answers, and they're looking for hope. That's right. And you're doing sensationalism, and uh, the same with NBC and Comcast. So I don't call it. Well, you I don't call it Comcast. Help. I call it Comcast. <laughs> Let me just have, for whom you work. Let me just tell you something. That's really bad reporting. And you ought to get back to reporting instead of sensationalism. Let's see if it works. It might and it might not. I happen to feel good about it, but who knows? I've been right a lot. Let's see what happens, John.
0: So that goes on, right? That went on for three. So he was dealing with this for three minutes. Peter Alexander asking asking questions really um, to the point from Trump's perspective from the point of uh, point of view that says this is this is all uh, let's look at this from the worst potential angle as possible this fuel the fear of Americans sort of sort of thing and Trump Trump dealt with this for a couple of minutes before he before he said that's a nasty question you're a terrible reporter this needs to be dealt with you you're you're you're, you need to get back to responsible reporting. You and your employer, Comcast... I don't call it Comcast, Trump says. I call it Comcast. Had enough of this stuff. Anyway, gotta take a time out here. This is what... This is what Trump is... Um, Trump is dealing with. And it definitely puts a different perspective on it, I think, when you hear the entire... The entire exchange versus just a couple of uh, quick sound bites, And so the, the one of these... Exchanges. Well, this exchange was rooted in this Trump's hope in a drug, which we'll talk about when we get back. But Trump's hope in a drug and how they're trying to spin this. In fact, I heard Rachel Maddow the other day. I won't even play that for you. I don't want to give you nightmares here on the program having to listen to some of the insane things that come from that program. But anyway, anyway, got to take a time out. We'll talk more about what Trump was saying here about this drug and how he's hopeful. Oh, my goodness. The the amount of negativity that could come, the amount of fear in the the minds of Americans that could come and the minds of, well, according to Peter Alexander here, if Americans are simply hopeful that a drug might have promising um, effects on treating coronavirus, as has been determined according to one doctor in, I think it was France. Anyway, there's not been an extensive test done, but there's definitely – enough to say that there's promising uh, promising findings from what has been done at this particular point. Talk about that after the break, but I got to take a time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. What really was fueling Peter Alexander's, uh, well, his questions, his questions at Trump being an optimist, right? This is a problem to Peter Alexander. Trump should not be optimistic about what could possibly come from um, a new potential medical treatment, right? This is, uh, we can't have this. This gives false hope in the minds of Americans and all this sort of stuff, and Trump had and played around with that for a little bit, but Trump said, look, what the heck is the problem here? What do we have to lose? We have a doctor in, again, I think it was France, who had tested 40 patients with a certain treatment of two drugs, one of those being azithromycin, the other being, um, Oz knows what the name of that one is. I don't... Chloroquine. What was it? Chloroquine. Chloroquine. Chloroquine, I think it's hydroxychloroquine, wasn't it? HCG, uh, HcQ, or something. Hydroxychloroquine. Anyway, and and azithromycin, which is z When the forty patients were given this in this test, so to speak, again, not a clinical trial. I guess I don't know. Uh, this is something that the uh, the doctor pres- uh, prescribed as a course. Of treatment for this particular uh, infection for coronavirus, he saw, he or she saw. I don't know if the doctor who the doctor was, but this doctor saw that every person, a hundred percent, that took the uh, Z-Pack plus hydroxychloroquine. If I'm hopefully that's the correct drug, <laughs> I don't have it in front of me here. But they found that there was. Um, an end, a cure. Actually, they used the word cure to the virus, which, of course, dealing with viruses is not something that you typically typically hear unless you're talking about uh, hepatitis C and one of the drugs that Gilead Sciences has for treating that. You'll hear about a cure, but that's this is rare. And so Trump's saying, look, all I'm saying is that this drug these drugs are already in existence right we've got one that's a drug as I understand from malaria we've got another common antibiotic when these things are used together we've had these promising results I'm not guaranteeing that that's going to happen but there should be there should be reason to celebrate about this or at least be optimistic I'm not saying throw a party because you know this is we've got a long ways to go here but this is a promising development. We should look into this. And what Trump was saying, what Trump was saying that's so, uh, I guess, beneficial about this is that you don't have th- – these are not new drugs, and that's what Trump was getting at. Look, this is these are not new drugs, Peter. These are drugs that, yes, while they're being used for uh, other things right now, they um, – this is technically an off-label – I learned about this from one of my friends who works in the industry. Off-label uh, treatment, this is not something that this drug has been thoroughly tested for, that the FDA will allow you to say it treats X, Y, or Z. This is something that's off-label. But it doesn't mean that, look, there are drugs that are used to treat things off-label I don't want to say, I mean, regularly from what I, I gather, this is not something that's the first time this has ever happened in the history of, of mankind. And Trump's saying, what is the big deal? Why, why are you so down on this idea? Why are you saying I'm giving false hope? I think you're a terrible reporter. I think your employer, who, by the way, is Concast, is a bunch of cons like you are. You should get back to reporting. And, of course, this upsets some people, and you know, then, then there were follow-up questions. I was watching this live. I don't have the sound bites for those. But then there were follow-up questions. Mr. President, do you think it's appropriate for the rest of the world to watch you berate a journalist at a press conference here at the White House? And Trump basically says, yeah, I do, as a matter of fact, because those of you in this room who want to peddle dishonesty, who want to stick to a narrative that's politically motivated, politically harmful for me – that doesn't really help us in this fight against coronavirus COVID nineteen. If that's if that's what you're going to do, yeah, yeah, I think it's actually quite important for people to know what's going on here, who I'm dealing with, what these, uh, what it's like to deal with a bunch of uh, a brood of vipers every day, a bunch of folks who come in here every day, uh, not every single one of them, but a lot of them, come in here every day to. To push a narrative, to harm a president, to look for a political uh, edge, political um, component of all this. And all I'm trying to do is lead us through this crisis and keep Americans safe. Yeah, I do, as a matter of fact, think it's appropriate for people outside of this world to understand what I'm dealing with in this room because you all are out of control. Peter Alexander is out of control. Terrible journalist, terrible company, terrible... Uh, terrible questions. Don't know how he sleeps with himself at night. This is basically how Trump deals with this, and so there's a lot of Americans cheering this because they think we've seen this for a long time now. These attacks, these uh, you know, the, the the hijacking of narratives to suit a political purpose, and usually presidents don't go don't go about it with the gusto that Trump does and so it's it's encouraging to those who have watched this happen for some time to say it's about time that someone says exactly what needs to be said. Yes, it's not statesmanlike. Yes, it's not in some respects what we, you know, understand as presidential. But I'll tell you this, what we're dealing with with these journalists is not journalism either. And it's way past time that we uh, start recognizing this and not being afraid to say what's really going on here which is political manipulation political uh political sabotage to a degree and if nothing else just trying to benefit from the narrative politically politically that's what is what's done here on a regular basis with these journalists in Washington DC and elsewhere around this country you'll find a couple of journalists here and there but the True art of journalism is 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 really uh, close to dead and extinct because this is how uh, some of these folks are trained. This is what they they see as um, you know getting them Pulitzer prizes and whatever it is, other other accolades, um, honor and so forth. As they uh, continue to try to. You know, to take down a president—that's some people look back at the Whitewater scandal with kind of hope and anticipation, like that maybe they can be the next to to bring down an administration, uh, especially Republican administration. Democrats, of course, they they fawn and ooh and all over the, as they did with with Obama. But this is this is a big problem. This is a big problem, and it's hard. It's hard to really. Um, that that's a this is a part of the fear is because of the way that these journalists uh, deal with this and the narratives and so forth. But anyway, gotta take a time out. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. Uh, get into more of what's going on here with coronavirus, politics, and so forth. After the break, sit tight. Be back in just a minute. <laughs> This Trump versus Alexander was was something that definitely uh, made my day on on Friday as I watched that during, during the noon hour. But look, they, they want it to sound like, because there was also another component of this, Fauci came to the microphone and is saying, look, there's not been a clinical test yet. We can't say with any certainty that this is really something we should be optimistic about. Um, As a scientist, he says, I just can't come out and say out of hand, just off the cuff that this is that this is working because I don't see enough enough data yet. And so Trump comes back and says, look, we're saying the same thing. We're saying the same thing. What I'm saying is he's saying he's not going to have any feeling and inclination about this until he sees the data. What I'm saying, Trump said, is that I'm optimistic about this. I see that there is an existing drug out there, a couple of existing drugs, when used in conjunction with one another, can actually uh, quite possibly lead to a very successful, at this point, 100% successful treatment of coronavirus I'm not saying that's the case, Trump says. I'm saying that there's reasons to think that that's a possibility. And so Fauci just, just says it differently. Fauci says, look, I'm, I'm just going to say I don't have the data yet. Trump's going to say I don't have the data either, but I'm telling you these are the sorts of things that get me excited because there is reason to believe. There is anecdotal evidence or you could even say a, a small statistical sampling Um, that had taken or had partaken in this particular study, and there's been promising results. And if that is, in fact, the only variable, and there was a control group, then we are left with something that is a scientific study. Fauci's just saying, I I don't want to make any projections or prognostications. Trump's saying, I'm not doing that either. I just want people to be hopeful that we have... This is not a... This is a dynamic world that we live in, right? And I think that's an important thing that's often overlooked, especially when we look at, quote-unquote, overwhelming the, the healthcare system. There, it, it's not – on the one hand, it is a static number of beds. There you know, um, static number of, of ICU beds or total beds in hospitals. There's a, there's a number, and that number isn't going to change today simply because we want it to. But what will happen is that if hospitals do get overrun, there will be innovative ways to address this. Now that might, that might not be as good as what we have with, with hospital rooms, existing ones, but there will be efforts made, makeshift uh, makeshift treatment centers. We've got Trump talking about sending um, ships that off the shore of some of these, these cities where people can be treated. For the disease, there will be there will be an innovative response this is this is something that the left often overlooks in our well in in a capitalistic society, uh, or even in a society where uh, th- there are people who are entrepreneurial or solutions oriented. and so when there is a problem, they don't just sit there and say, "Oh no, we're at capacity, too bad." They try to think of ways to solve the problem. And that is what is happening. And whether it's in research with medicines, whether it's in creative ways to deal with treatments, uh, creative ways to to build infrastructure, even if it's temporary infrastructure to deal with this. And some of this, that's why I think some of this is, is too much hype and panic, because there will be those factors that are not taken into account. But I've got to take a break. Listening to Conservative Not Better Talk, I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So there's one thing I want to share with you. We're talking about really quickly here in the waning moments of hour number one, but there's one thing I want to share with you, and this is from one of our advertisers. This is is actually... Actually, mister Brandon, a company of mine, we as we've been growing this program, we uh, sold merged with Proforma Irvine Group. And so we're talking about the response of the economy. Proforma Irvine Group is offering they have for those maybe, I don't know, anyone out there that, that's listening to my voice that maybe is looking for surgical masks, N ninety five and K ninety five masks, isolation gowns, protective goggles. They are sourcing these to some of their clients. And if you need some more information, uh, just visit But I've got to go. Music telling me it's time to wrap up First Hour. SDGC in a minute. Take care.